So the reading today is from Ruth chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the the name of the dead within this property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Marlon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the other people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who built together the family of Israel, May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Well, hi everyone. It's great to be back here with you. And well, what a difference a week makes, right, given the events of last uh, Wednesday. Um, I want you to know that we were prayed for you on Wednesday night. We had our church uh, midweek group, Imogen Atkinson, from the church. Uh, she was stuck here for five hours, couldn't get there till 9pm, told us all about it. And uh, we prayed for you as a church on Sunday as well for 
safety going forward here as security is tightened, for justice to be done on the people behind it, and for love and forgiveness to abound in the face of such evil. Now, uh, with that in mind, with love and forgiveness in mind, we are coming to the end of the book of Ruth today, and chapter 4, and I wonder what you made of it as you heard it read out. All this talk of being famous, um, celebrity, making a name for yourself. I mean, this is the Bible, right? And surely the Bible isn't interested in these sort of things. And yet, if you just glance down to verse 11, we read there the elders of Israel. These are the godly men, the wise men. And they are speaking about Boaz. They say, may you have standing. May you be famous in Bethlehem. And you get the same idea, just over the page in verse 14. This time the women saying to Naomi, may he become famous throughout Israel, this son given to the family. Then right at the end, verses 18 to 22, we finish with this sort of who's who, hall of fame of people running down to great King David. Fame, celebrity, making a name for yourself. It's here in the Bible. What do you make of that? Who says the Bible is not relevant for us today? We are a culture right now that is obsessed with becoming famous, being on TV. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Um, I've done a bit of research on this. X Factor, Series 6, 200,000 people entered into it. Apparently they didn't do the counting for the remaining series. 200,000 people for just one person. All want to be famous. Very few of us are famous. Even those who do become famous. It doesn't last very long. Do any of you remember who was the winner of X Factor Series 1? You wouldn't admit it anyway. Steve Brockstein. But he's quickly forgotten about what's he doing now. We all want our five seconds of fame, but that is it, it's five seconds and then it's gone and we're soon forgotten about. Did you know that in London, there are 250,000 people, quarter million people, over the age of 65, who only get to see one close friend or family member once a week. Just one person closer than once a week. And for 150,000 pensioners, it is once a month. That is very sobering. How quickly we forget about people, how quickly we are forgotten. Do you know the name of your great-grandparents? I don't. Do you think it will be any different for you? So easily forgotten about, so quickly forgotten about. And it's why this chapter of the Bible is so relevant for us, because it shows us How to not be forgotten. How to be remembered. Do you want to be famous? Here's how. Verses 1 to 6, the negative first. How not to be famous, how to be a nobody. In verse 1, we are introduced to the other guardian redeemer. Not language we use today, but if you weren't here last week, chapter 3, do you remember we were left with this cliffhanger? Ruth is committed to Boaz. Boaz is committed to Ruth. But there is another redeemer, a near redeemer, who's first in line to her property, to potentially marry Ruth. Well, no, what's going to happen? 
So that's the context as we come into chapter 4. Now Boaz dashes up to the town gate. He wants to settle the matter quickly. And wouldn't you know, verse 1, he sits down just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Now for those who are here, does that ring any bells from chapter 2? When Ruth just happened to turn up in Boaz's field, the one person who could make a difference to her life. Here, Boaz goes up to the town gate just as the guardian redeemer is there. Not coincidence, only providence. Do catch that up online, chapter 2, if you missed it. And did you notice the name of this other redeemer? Can anyone tell me what his name is? Trick question. He isn't given a name. We're not told. Which is just very interesting, given in the book of Ruth, how important names are. Elimelech, my God is king. Ruth, friend. Boaz, strong. Naomi, pleasant. Really important names in this book. He doesn't have a name. Why is that? The most we get in verse 1 is when Boaz says to him, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. Which is a terrible translation from the Hebrew, by the way. This is actually a little bit of rhyming slang in the original. It's a lomi palomi. We would say something like, Mr. So-and-so. Mr. Nobody. I remember being introduced to the party once. I said, hey, Mark, I mean, no, not Mark. He said, I'm going to introduce you to Chris. And he turned to try and introduce me, but he couldn't remember my name. This is Chris, and um, this is... What's your name again? I think it makes you feel very insignificant when people do that. That is what's sort of going on here. That's what the narrator's doing. This guy, easily forgotten about. A Mr. Nobody. Why? Well, look at how he responds to Boaz's offer. Verse 3. Noemi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, do so, but if you will not, tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Now, the nearer redeemer, he says, I will redeem it. He is keen at first. A prime piece of Israel real estate, there's no risk to him. Sure, yeah, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz mentions Ruth as part of the deal in verse 5. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Now, as soon as he hears that, he's not as keen now. And he's out of there faster than a toupee on a windy day. He says in verse 6, I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. It is too costly for this redeemer. So yes, Ruth's a relative. Yes, Ruth is in poverty. Yes, Ruth needs help. But ultimately, this man only cares about himself. His estate, I don't want to endanger it. I cannot do it. And again, like Orpah, earlier on in chapter 1, this guy walks off the pages of scripture, never to be seen of or heard of again. It's tragic. He could have been a somebody if he'd married Ruth, redeemed Ruth. He could have had fame throughout Israel. And instead he ends up a nobody, caring only for himself. Um, a year or so ago, I came across the Good to Great Diagnostic Tool. I don't know if you've come, um, come across this. It's from a guy called Jim Collins. He's written a book, Good to Great. It's 
bridging for companies and how do you make them go from just being good companies to make them being great companies. And the very first stage of the process, he argues, the most important is what he calls disciplined people. You need disciplined people in your company. People that are thinking first and foremost for the cause of the company and the vision of the company and not thinking first and foremost for themselves. You see that in companies, you see that in communities, the problems that come when people put themselves first. And this is what has gone tragically wrong for this guy, Mr. Nobody. Putting himself first, could have been a somebody, ended up a nobody. Very challenging for us today. And the individualistic culture we live in, and put yourself first and it's all about you. Look after number one. What's in it for me? Beware. This is how to be a nobody. So if people were to look at your lives, what would they say? If people were to look at your lives, would they say, well, he only thinks about himself, talks about himself. She never asks about me. Always seems to be their agenda. We always seem to play by their rules. Is your fundamental outlook on life one of, well, what's in it for me? Beware. That's how to be a nobody. And if we continue through life only thinking of ourselves, not others, and most importantly of all, not about God, well then we run the ultimate risk of being a nobody into eternity. No matter how famous we might be here. So that's the first thing to see, how to be a nobody. Secondly, in verses 7 to 10, Boaz now shows us how to be a somebody. Verse 7. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. I bet you're glad we don't do it like that now. Let's just shake it by hand or a signature. Anyhow, verse 8. The guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal and presumably hopped off home. Um, verse 9 listen to this then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Marlon I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow as my wife, he loves her in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown, he's concerned for this lie, he's concerned for this family He's concerned for their name. No concern here about endangering his own estate. No concern about what's in it for me. Boaz just wants to desperately help out this family who are in need, who are in poverty, who have fallen on hard times. And here's the great irony with Boaz. He's just not fussed about making a name for himself. And yet here we are still talking about him 3,000 years later. Boaz is not fussed about the loss of face, the loss of social standing from marrying a Moabite, a foreigner. And yet it is through their marriage and their child, their family line, that King David comes and ultimately Jesus Christ himself. 
How to be a nobody? Focus on yourself. How to be a somebody? Focus on others. The professor of theology at Princeton Seminary, B.B. Warfield, once said, Self-sacrifice, focusing on others, means entering into every person's hopes and fears, longings and despairs. It means that we should live not one life, but a thousand lives, binding ourselves to a thousand souls by the filaments of so loving a sympathy that their lives become ours. How to be a somebody. The young person, the graduate, who gives up a lucrative, successful career, perhaps in politics, to go off into the middle of nowhere and for the sake of others, shares the good news of Jesus Christ to those who have not heard it before. The politician who seeks to serve God faithfully in his constituency, being honest in all his dealings, working hard when no one sees it, not wanting the limelight, but giving it to others. The new mum, who is up yet again in the middle of the night, feeding, another nappy to be changed, more washing to be done, and the same story to be read, more songs to be sung, all for the sake of her child. The friend who is always there for you, despite the great costs it might be to them in terms of their time, their efforts, perhaps even their money. These are the somebodies. This focus on others. And so let me ask you, I wonder who is it that God has put in your life right now? In your neighbourhood? In your office? Your constituency? Your church, if you go to church? Who is it that God has brought into your life that you can be a somebody to today and this week? Because that is what God calls his followers to. Now, of course, we all struggle with this. Not focusing on ourselves, but focusing on others. We all fall short of this. And so it's vitally important that as we come to the end of the book of Ruth, we see yet again God's love and forgiveness to us. That God is the one who ultimately makes somebody's out of nobody's. That is the point of verses 11 to 22. Just look at Naomi. Now remember Naomi from chapter 1, a widow in poverty. She described herself as empty in chapter 1. Empty. She had nothing. She said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Bitter old Naomi. But now look at her now, with God's work in her life, chapter 4. Verse 15. May your your life be renewed. He will renew your life. He will sustain you into old age. Verse 15 again. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Ruth in her life. It's an incredible statement now. The son is normally the one who provides the meals, who provides protection, is the breadwinner. Ruth given to her described this daughter-in-law as seven times better. Noemi has a home. She has a family. She has a future. She has everything she needs. She is full possibly for the first time in her life. This is what the God of the Bible does. He brings fullness to our lives, even when they seem empty. Ruth, an outsider, 
a Moabite, a foreigner, no prospects, no future, no hope. But now, verse 13, a wife. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Part of God's family now. The Lord enables her to conceive. She's a mum to Obed. And from Obed comes King David. And from King David comes Jesus Christ. Incredible that your descendant is Jesus Christ. And she has a whole book of the Bible written about her. This is what the God of the Bible loves to do. Turn nobodies into somebodies. Boaz. In the world's eyes, a very ordinary guy. He's old, er, single, going about his work. But we've seen the Lord at work. Guiding Ruth to his field, bringing them together so he could redeem Ruth. And then be used by God in his great salvation plan for the whole universe. You see who the God of the Bible is. One who loves to turn somebody's out of nobody's. And here's the thing for us today. In this book, yes, it's written thousands of years ago. It still remains true for us today. You could be here today. You might think, you know, there are a lot of Mr. Nobodies in your life. People that think too much about themselves, care too much about themselves, protect their own interests. You've been incredibly let down. Please, please see from the book of Ruth and in the wider biblical story that in the person of Jesus Christ, you and I have our somebody. We have a better Ruth, we have a better Boaz. In the person of Jesus Christ, we have someone who is prepared to redeem us from our sin, no matter the cost it is to him. He left the perfection of heaven for you and for me. He was born in a filthy stable for you and for me. So he could die for the sins of the world. As he is dying on the cross, he is being separated from his Father in heaven, who has been an infinite love for all eternity. You know what it's like when you're separated from those who you love? It hurts, it's painful. The closer you are to someone, the more it hurts. What do you think it feels like for Jesus Christ? He's been in this perfect bond and perfect relationship for all eternity. And he's on the cross, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? And at any point he could have stopped. At any point he was perfect. He said, no, I don't want to endanger myself. I don't want to endanger my life. I cannot do it. He doesn't say that. He says, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he doesn't think about himself. He gives up himself for you and for me. Do you know that? Do you see that? Do you treasure that? That is the Jesus of the Bible. That is the God of the book of Ruth. And that is what he has done for you. He is forsaken so you can be forgiven. You are infinitely loved. You are a precious child of the God of the universe. And it is grasping that more and more and appreciating that more and more. The more you get it, the more it will transform you. The more you can show that same love to others. Why is it that we're so concerned about ourselves? And wanting to make a name for ourselves. We want other people to accept us. We want to be wanted. But if you are a Christian, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, you are always wanted and accepted and forgiven and infinitely loved by the one person who matters in this universe. And if you get that and you rejoice in that, you will be liberated from thinking about yourself so much and you will start wanting to show that same love and that same forgiveness to others.
This is what the book of Ruth is about. This Hesed love. You are a somebody if you're trusting in Jesus. He's already made you one. Now go be a somebody to other people. Let's pray. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much indeed for all that you've been teaching us about yourself in the book of Ruth. Thank you that as we get to this final part, you show us just the great somebody you are and the love you show us who are by our sin nobodies. This incredible transforming love. And so I pray, Father God, you'd help each and every one of us to be drawn closer to you, to receive your love afresh today to be transformed from the inside out, that we wouldn't be nobodies just focused on ourselves and our own agendas, but give ourselves for the sake of others, just as you have shown for us. And we pray in Jesus' name.